Achieving Clarity podcast. My name is Ben Morley, an Air Force pilot turned consultant. Each episode, you will hear actionable tips and strategies that you can implement in your daily life, personal and professional, to achieve more clarity, purpose, and effectiveness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of practical clarity training. I wanted to speak to you about managing the ego, with which I would like to open with a story. On April 10th, 1912, the HMS Titanic set sail from Southampton, England, bound for New York. The Titanic was the product of intense competition among rival shipping lines in the first half of the 20th century. In particular, the White Star Line found itself in a battle for steamship primacy with Cunard, their arch-rival British firm that had two standout ships ranked among the most sophisticated and luxurious of their time. Cunard's ship Mauritania began service in 1907 and quickly set a speed record for the fastest average speed during a transatlantic crossing, a title that it held for 22 years. White Star decided to respond to Cunard's achievements by designing three large ships of their own, the Titanic being one of them, with dimensions that would make them the largest of their time. One of the goals of this maiden voyage was to break the speed record set by Cunard years prior. As befitting the first transatlantic crossing of the world's most celebrated ship, many of the passengers on board for this initial trip were high-ranking officials, wealthy industrialists, dignitaries, and celebrities. Now, imagine you are Captain Edward Smith, who was in command of the Titanic, and the immense pressure you were having to deal with before you even left England. The ship was hailed and celebrated before it even hit the water as the best and greatest of its type, the fastest, it is unsinkable, blah, blah, blah. The hype was off the charts. It would have been a top-trending Instagram tag for sure. Now, Include the cast of A-listers who are passengers on this ship who are being told this will get you to New York in record time. No ship ever before has the speed capacity that this one does. And remember, Captain Smith, we as your employer are banking on you to break that transatlantic crossing record our rival has enjoyed for many years. So, They are underway sailing, and there was something like 15 warnings given to the ship that there were icebergs in their path and to exercise caution, all of which were ignored. I say approximately 15 warnings because apparently the large majority of these warnings were not passed on to the captain because the workers in the communication room themselves did not believe that these warnings about icebergs were worth paying attention to because they were sailing on an indestructible ship. The warnings the captain did receive, he also ignored because he was driven by and governed by the pressure to break the crossing record, and this need to deliver to make good on all the hype that had been overpromised to the passengers and to the world that had preceded the Titanic's sailing. Imagine being in charge of delivering on all of that, and the thought of having to slow down the ship or change the course, adding extra time to the trip. Who wants to be the captain responsible for that? 
There has been analysis that the reason the Titanic sank so quickly was that when the lookouts saw the iceberg in their path and sounded the alarm, the ship quickly reversed its engines and veered sharply away from the iceberg, with only a sprinkling of ice fragments falling down on the forward deck. Sensing no collision, the lookouts were relieved. They had no idea that the iceberg had a jagged underwater spur, which slashed a 300-foot gash in the hole below the ship's waterline. This last-second maneuver allowed the iceberg to slice through multiple layers of decking. Had the Titanic simply hit the iceberg straight on, the collision would have probably been far less fatal and the ship could have survived. However, it was so last-minute before anybody paid attention to a warning that it was too late. My point is this. Ego sank the Titanic, not an iceberg. There are icebergs in all of our waters. What will help you navigate away from them is not last-minute knee-jerk reaction swerves. That is circumstantial living. What will help you navigate them is by setting a course that is not governed by your ego. Ego being a false sense of self. I have to be like this, I gotta look like this, I gotta earn this much money, be in this kind of a relationship, have this kind of success, be in this kind of physical shape, have this kind of achievement by March next year, or whatever our ego tells us we must be and look like. You have to get free of all that. Because that will get you heading full steam ahead, not heating warnings, and the icebergs that eventually sink us are not unfamiliar icebergs. They are ones we had warnings about, but we ignored them because our ego was captain of the ship, rather than authenticity, rather than empathy, rather than our soul, which is the essence of who you really are and should be the captain of the ship. The soul does not care about appearance and ego. In my Air Force career as a pilot flying the C-17 aircraft, we had an aerial demonstration profile we flew when participating in air shows. It was a specific series of maneuvers showcasing the capabilities of the aircraft to include high and low speed passes, an extremely tight turn display, and a maximum braking effort landing, where we stopped the jet in a remarkably short distance. If you have ever witnessed an air show where a military jet performed, that aircraft was accomplishing an aerial demonstration. To fly this profile, we had to follow specific criteria outlined in our military regulations. There were required altitudes and airspeeds necessary for every part of this routine. We had to receive permission from multiple levels of leadership before we were allowed to perform this demonstration at an airshow. We also had to become certified for this program before we flew this demonstration. Not everyone was qualified to fly it. Perhaps most importantly, there was no allowance given for us to modify this demonstration procedure in any way. We flew it specifically by the parameters outlined in the regulation. In July 2010, a C-17 aircrew was practicing this aerial demonstration profile in preparation for the upcoming Arctic Thunder Air Show at Elmendorf Air Force Base in Alaska. The instructor pilot was an experienced aviator who, in earlier conversations with the base commander, the CEO of the military installation, was encouraged by this CEO to make the upcoming air show, quote, the best one our Air Force base has seen yet. This pilot in charge of the flight, although experienced, was also overconfident and a bit arrogant. 
This aerial demonstration profile, by regulation, is 12 minutes in duration. Emboldened by the CEO's challenge to make this air show the best one yet, this pilot chose to shorten it to 8 minutes. In order to accomplish this, he unilaterally made revisions to the flight profile, modifying the various maneuvers in order to achieve his goal. The problem was that by making these changes, it prevented the aircraft from achieving the necessary airspeed to accomplish the maneuvers. Other pilots in his unit disagreed with his decision to make these changes that clearly violated the regulation, but he ignored their feedback. Some pilots outright refused to fly with him. So two lesser experienced junior pilots wound up becoming the other members of this aircrew, as they were less likely to voice their op opposition to this instructor pilot's actions. This aircrew had two or three practice flights to perform this aerial demonstration in preparation for the upcoming airshow. They flew this modified eight-minute profile on at least a couple of flights without incident. On July 28, 2010, the aircrew took off on another practice flight. During their first turn after takeoff, the aircraft stalled at low altitude and crashed, killing all four crew members on board. It was the first fatal accident in the C-17. The cause was overly aggressive maneuvering and overconfidence. There was nothing wrong with the aircraft. I submit to you that it was ego that led to this incident. Some questions. Where in your professional life have you seen or do you see where ego is the driving force for people's attitudes, behavior, or decisions? Have they also been able to, quote, get away with it previously, therefore emboldening them to continue letting the ego be the captain of their ship? Where in your personal life do you see where the ego has been given the controls of the aircraft, despite indications or warnings that ego's actions are actually pretty aggressive and overconfident? Do not let your ego be in charge of your ship as you plan and chart the next course of your life. Do not abdicate to the ego. It will cause you to crash early on in your process. And do not blame the iceberg. I think that is what everybody did. But it was the ignoring of the warnings, which was because of the ego. I hope this has been of some help to you. As always, best to you. Thank you for listening to the Achieving Clarity podcast. We hope you liked it. To hear more tools and strategies to help you in your personal and professional life, subscribe to our podcast. Thank you again. Thank you.